Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Chrissy Grody, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind the scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves. And of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of what does being fit mean to you? My guest today is a surgical oncologist, an avid kayaker, a tennis player, a runner, a strength trainer, and she practices Pilates. She uses her commitment to fitness and exercise to help women who have fought breast cancer move beyond surviving to thriving. The program guides women to tap into the same drive that got them through treatment with activities like hiking and rock climbing. Please welcome Dr. Kelly McLean. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. That's a lot of things that you do. Yeah. Yeah. We have a mutual friend, Jamie. And when she made the connection that I should chat with you, she's like, she works crazy hours as a surgeon and then manages to play tennis five times a week, do all these things. And so I'm just super interested to kind of dive into that. And have you always been this way? Have you always been this physically active? So, um, I've always been the kind of person that goes from sun up to sundown, but I haven't always been at you know in as good a shape. And part mm. of that is you can imagine it takes a lot of studying mm. to get to this point. And um, through med school and surgery residency, crazy hours. When I went through surgery residency, there weren't any work hour res- restrictions, and so literally you were going yeah 24/7 right there's not time for anything else there's not time <laughs> yeah. for anything else and you develop so i subsisted on starbucks um venti white chocolate mochas oh my God. and you develop this survival instinct that whenever you walk into the room mm-hmm. you instantly um survey it for food it's like is there any free food anywhere really doesn't matter hot cold um yeah. Oh my gosh. It what is it about maybe you have some insight into this cuz I have a few friends that are surgeons. I have a friend that's a cardiac surgeon um and then one that just does general surgery. But there's some of oh and I also have a friend that operates on the brain. They're some of the most intense like I would say crazy people that I know. <laughs> I mean like really fun, like really fun at parties love to drink and get after it (laughs) like do you see what's going on there is there like a personality type that lends itself to like you have to be a little bit off your rocker to say okay I'm gonna do this for a living yeah definitely (laughs) definitely and not that not that residency is easy now the training is intense and long um but you know there you literally had to give up everything in your Mm. life and just you know commit yourself to Mm -hmm. that and it I think that that takes a certain type of personality and you have to, you know, you have to be completely available to your patients mm-hmm. for any complications that they have. You have to take full responsibility for 
um, advising people on their disease process and then um, whatever actions you take. And so, yeah, yeah definitely. It yeah. Takes a- so, okay, so not so active during during that part of your life. No, not so active during um, that part of my life. And how long is that time? Um, well, so med school yeah. is four, four years. years. Surgery residency is five years. Um, we take a two-year break to do research. So that's a total of seven. And then I did a two-year surgical oncology fellowship. Mm, that's a long time. It is a long time. <laughs> but I guess it seems like an appropriate amount of time <laughs> since you're <laughs> operating on people. <laughs> yeah, if you're on the receiving end, you're very right, happy exactly, that it's exactly, a very long exactly, time. Exactly. So oh, how, what about before, like when you were young and like, you know. Yeah, so yeah. when I was young, I always liked to get out and do anything. I... um did multiple volunteer vacations with Sierra club in Mm. different locations where you're rebuilding walls or, um, just getting out, clearing trails, um, working for the park service. So anything that I could do to get outside and be active. Are you from Cincinnati? No, I'm from, I'm from the state up North. I'm from Michigan. Yeah. (laughs) It took, it took me a second, but then it was very clear to me about what you were talking about. Um, oh yeah. They have some really great like outdoor space up there. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. What's, oh, that's the like slogan, pure Michigan. Yeah. About all outdoors. Uh Yeah. Okay. So you got to, you did some like hiking trail clearing. Yeah. Um, I worked with the Sierra club did, um, what's the Sierra club? The Sierra Club that was um, actually founded by um, John Muir, and it was about preserving the national parks and maintaining green spaces. I love that. Okay, so you did that, and what's the you just like get to go out and clear it up? That okay. The reason why I'm asking, I'm so interested, is because I love hiking, and I try Mm -hmm. to go out uh, to the gorge like every weekend since August. We've kind of made this goal of like every Sunday, it's the Sunday hike. We've tried out a bunch of places in Cincinnati. Obviously, the Gorge. We've been to Hocking Hills, um, Clifty Falls in Madison, Mm -hmm. Indiana, if you're familiar. Obviously, like the Nature Center and then just like Mount Airy around here. I'm trying to think. We did Yellow, Yellow Springs. But the thing is, is like the Gorge is the best. Mm -hmm. And it's like way, way better than all those places, I think. They're they're good places. But I feel like if you go to the Gorge... Then you're, you're everywhere else is just kind of like mm, around here, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just talking mm-hmm. local, so it's kind of like why we hightail it to the gorge every weekend. But what, to, what if I'm hearing you correctly? Then there's like something that I would be able to go do this and then be like helping the trails. It sounds so fun. Yeah. So well, what I used to do is, um, for instance, like just look for what they call volunteer yeah. vacations. Okay. And um, the Sierra Club. There's both a local Sierra Club and the National Sierra Club, and they have different trips. Um, some of them are specifically geared towards doing some sort of park maintenance. So mm-hmm. I went out to Aspen and um, oh. was in the Maroon Bells a couple of times, um, did some stuff in Upper Michigan. And the nice thing about it is, for instance, like let's say you're not really comfortable camping or yeah. you don't have a lot of experience, but you want to get out and you want to be active it's a great way to start learning more about Mm -hmm. it with people that have a lot of experience and, you know, contributing something. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Did you have to do, or what, what, 
was what made you drawn to that type of work? Like, were you already like in good shape and you were like, okay, I just want to be outside? Um, no, actually it was more the opposite mm. since so much of what I did is sedentary studying. Yeah. I specifically wanted some type of, um, vacation where I was out and moving Yeah, and yeah, yeah. as a chance to, so growing up, um, I probably didn't do, you know, any specific mm. exercise like everyone, we rode our bikes and, right. and right. that sort of stuff, but no um, sports. Um, well, the school that I went to, everyone had to play sports. Oh. It's sound mind and a sound body. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> what sports did you try to play? <laughs> um, field hockey. Okay. I've never lacrosse. played field hockey. No. Those sound like all like East Coast things that were not available to me in Canton, Ohio growing up. <laughs> So get through schooling and everything when we're just like talking still like fitness stuff. What what made you kind of turn the corner now where you're doing all of these activities all the time? Yeah. So when I finally got out, finally out of residency and I went down to Tampa for my fellowship and I realized like how bad of shape I was in and I started working out with this group and the first day we had a fitness test and it mm. took me like oh my gosh what is the, what is the fitness test that yeah you have to do? well like it took me 19 minutes to run a mile and a half oh, got it. Got and it. um it was the first time in a really long time that I had well we didn't really have a lot of free time but I had a lot a little bit more control mm-hmm. over my schedule and um could actually plan stuff so I started working out with Mm -hmm. this group and um what they did it was three brothers and they every year they had done an event for charity Mm -hmm. like um a triathlon and so one would swim one would bike oh kind of like a relay yeah yeah um so as they started up their business they started getting their clients also doing it and we started doing the um south beach the Nautica South Beach Triathlon. Oh, in, in Miami, yeah? In Miami, yeah. 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 Um, fun. I mean, say no more. Just yeah, a chance to t- get down there. <laughs> ton of fun. Yeah. Um, but, but what was amazing about it is people who didn't think of themselves as athletes and stuff, all of a sudden we were out doing triathlons mm. and like open water swimming. Okay, wait. We got to back up. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> you, had to, you just were like, I'm doing it? Like yeah, I'm going to so, open water, swim in the ocean? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But there was nothing where it's like, you were like, okay, this is something I've never done before. You had no problem like jumping in. It's because you're a crazy surgeon, isn't it? it that's, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's you what it was. You realize I cut people for a living. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what it was. Okay. You're, yeah, no yeah. problem. <laughs> you're like, never swim in the ocean. That sounds good. Um, yeah. And actually, I did the swim leg. So I am kind of harping on that because I was a swimmer as well. And so to swim open water, I know how difficult that is. It's so much different than swimming in a pool. It is. It's totally different. Yeah. Surrounded by lots of people trying to do the exact same thing. Wow. Okay. So you start doing triathlons just on a whim. Yeah. So we started (laughs) doing, um, so I was working, I mean, I was working out with them and it was the first time really that I'm like, okay, 
Because you have to train for this too, right? Right, exactly. A a training program. Yeah. Yeah. What's that training program look like? Oh, they had, um, I mean, we, we must have worked out, um, you know, four or five times Mm -hmm. a a week and they basically, you know, it was sort of like high intensity training, combination, weightlifting, aerobic type stuff. And about how old are you here? Um, oh, so actually that's very easy. I was 40. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Cause I went down there and celebrated right right, right before my 40th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, that's interesting that it's a fitness journey that started kind of later in life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you think so, and I actually started playing tennis at 46 years ago so 46 and so many people are are like oh you have to play from the age of five otherwise you'll never be any good that's how I feel about skiing um yeah but uh, just hit it one ball at a time yeah no tennis is seems much more approachable to me I just recently started playing pickleball last summer never played a racket or paddle sport before easier to pick up than tennis. Uh, but that feels, both of those feel approachable to me. Mm-hmm. Skiing, on the other hand, not so much. Like there is, we're talking about my little back injury before we recorded. There seems like there could be some very serious injuries that come along. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Skiing takes a certain leap of faith. Yeah. And that's why I you think to- you need to be young when you learn because you have no fear as a child and so then you get that muscle memory and you know how to do it and you're not afraid getting to the top of the mountain and realizing the gondolas don't take you back down again. And, you know, the distance for when you fall is a lot shorter. Yeah, exactly. But, okay, so start triathlons, tennis. All, so all of these things were picked up later in life. So once you started, like, training for the triathlon, did you see any, I guess, like, one, physical changes, but then any, like mental changes too that came along with picking this up yeah so definitely um so the thing that I think about being physically fit and active is that it's about sourcing your own power Mm. and believing in your ability to do things Mm -hmm. so you can have all these ideas but they're just concepts it's when you actually start working with your body and start feeling your strength and seeing an effect and And again, so this happens like all the time in tennis where you actually, you can hit a ball and it goes where you want, how you want it. And then you start. I'm not familiar with that feeling yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) me neither. Um, And you start then building a strategy and a plan. And that's when it helps just bring your own ideas into the world. Yeah. Interesting. It's like the confidence that you have with movement and this kind of physical manifestation, then you're like, Oh, I can do this thing. I must be able to do other things. Exactly. The whole idea, um, we were talking about this beforehand about setting a goal Mm -hmm. and working towards it step by step, facing failure, um, seeing small increments, just the power of, um, consistently working on something. Yeah. So what was that experience like of the first triathlon? Oh, that was amazing. 
People say that. I hear every single person that's done a triathlon or eat or just a leg. And did you do just the leg or did you? And I say just, I don't mean just, but do you do the whole thing? No, no. I did the swim leg. Okay. Um, so actually for the, um, for something like three years in a row, we won the um, amateur women's um, relay. Oh, wow cool that feels good to win too that doesn't hurt that you're like starting out and you're like oh we're beating everyone yeah it does but you know all of us started out not in great shape yeah it was just consistent work yeah did you have a trainer yes you you had someone helping you along the way yeah yeah that's good and being outside in florida running along the bayside helps too it is beautiful there. I thought I thought that you were going to say it helps you train kind of like better cardio because it's so hot and humid. Um, but yes, it is beautiful there. Okay, so kind of back to the, yeah, the experience yeah, of it. No, no, no. We can go off whenever. But what did it yeah feel like to like get going to finish? Like what are your, what's going through your mind during that swim? Oh yeah, so it yeah it's amazing because um, so as you were talking about with open water. We're so used to in the pool being able to see clearly mm-hmm. and having a line that you follow uh-huh, uh-huh. that tells you where you're going and also having um, consistent markers knowing how far you've gone. Yes, that helps so much. And this was actually, this was like um, garments were just coming out mm. and, you know, like Polar had like their first watches, but there really wasn't even something that you could put on to tell you. Yeah as you swim along. And so it's just so much being in the flow and being in touch with your body and riding the waves and negotiating people around you. It was, it was an amazing feeling. When you are, cause you have to run into the water, right? Like you mm-hmm. start on land and you run into the water Are people like elbowing you out of the way or that is it like yeah everyone competitive yeah, yeah. to like get like a break free of the group yeah everyone and in the water everyone's like just thrashing free around for all. yes were you afraid of as you started training again having not really had a huge fitness background to now you're training for this big event did you have any encounters with injuries or you know anything where your body wasn't cooperating with you yeah so um when I was younger, I pulled my hamstring oh. really badly. So I, when I, and this is part of the reason why I really wasn't doing the run. Um, when I'd run, my leg would just kind of swing to the side. Oh. And um, so I had to work through that. And that's actually, fast forward, it re-injured um, and popped really badly and that's how I got started into Pilates oh okay okay yeah. we'll get there but we'll that's there. no yeah I want I love Pilates we're still in the triathlons right yeah. now we've got we've got a lot of other sports to get through before <laughs> but, we get to Pilates so so yeah so this a good a great experience for you and then, very much and and again just you um just seeing people who hadn't exercised before going out and even though we were just doing just doing one leg of the triathlon it was a start and yeah. um no, putting putting huge. it together and working as a team to do these this thing that you see only like real athletes I mean I only think of real athletes doing it doing. and so how far is the swim 
The swim in that was um, 800 meters. 800 meters. And then how far is the run? The run was five miles and the bike was 20 miles. 20 miles. Yeah. So it was a a sprint triathlon. Yes. Yes. Broken into. Yeah. No, that's truly incredible. When you think of you guys hadn't had like it was just almost like couch to triathlon Mm -hmm. is what you did. That's crazy. And then do you feel like that just really like you got bit by the bug? Like a fitness bug? Yeah. Like, oh, what definitely. Else, what else might and be there hasn't been. So that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And um, while what I've done has changed mm-hmm. and evolved, there hasn't been any period of time since then that I haven't been doing something. Isn't that crazy? Like, what do you what do you think is going on there? And And, and for someone... Because for me, I don't, I don't, I can't quite get the experience because from a very young age, I was like thrown into a ton of different sports. So I was always doing something active, going through high school, had a sport every season. And, you know, those sports required working out on the side. When I got to college, I started my own fitness routine was, so I've always been really active and always valued and known how important it is for me to have movement. Maybe I didn't quite understand exactly what that meant until later in life. But, you know, you having had the experience of not having specific fitness goals or, or really having that be a focus, and then it is, and you see kind of like, oh my, like, do you imagine now, like, how could I, how could I live without this? Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts about that? I'm interested to hear. Well, that's where, um, so there's a saying that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and the second best time is now. Yeah. So I can't go back 20 right, years right. and change anything. And you, know, when I listen to people say, oh, you know, I, I'm never going to be good at this. I didn't start when I was young or, um, or I've only been doing this for a short period of time that you just have to start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you want to? Do you want to do it or not? Because yeah. I guarantee you, if you don't do it, you won't be good at it. Right. You'll right. never get any better at it. Right. Um, so you just have to decide that that's what you want to yeah. do. I think it can be hard for people because we both know the feeling, the other, the feeling on the other side of when you start moving or you tackle these fitness goals or you know you do something you've never done before is great. It's such an amazing feeling. Like you doing that event, like it's, it's, you feel incredible, but if you haven't done it yet and you're like, oh, I don't know, is it really, like, is it really that good? Like, can I trust someone else saying it's great? So I think that's hard to like get people going. And then I have so fallen into this trap myself where I'll be like, Oh no, I'm, I'm not good at that. Like, I'm not good at this thing. And I'm like, what it really is is I haven't done this thing a lot yet. Or like I ha- like I don't have a lot of practice doing the thing. Of course, I'm not good at it. Like where's this idea coming from in my mind that I should try something new and that and, and be really good the first time I try it or else I'm not. Like, no, you got to practice. Hardly anyone's really good at anything the first time they do something. Yeah, and yeah. I think that the more you try new things, the better you get at trying new things. Exactly. It's like a muscle you have to work. Yeah. And I think that it can be easy to, to kind of fall into like, I'm not going to try, especially as we get older. 
Like I had a whole, my whole quarantine lesson, honestly, was that I could learn new things. Like the lesson was that I could learn new things. I had spent so much time telling myself, I'm never going to learn how to play poker. I'm not a poker player. I don't, I don't like cards. It's not my thing. I'm never, I don't like organized sports, like pickleball, you know, what I, you know, I would tell myself these things. I don't like to, to do stuff like that. I'm not good at it. Well, no, I just needed to do them and try them and have an open mind. And I'm like, wait, I actually really like this. I can learn how to play poker. I can learn how to play pickleball. So it was just this whole like epiphany for me, which sounds sad and trite at 32 years old that I was like, oh yeah, I can learn to do new things. Just <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, so after triathlons, where do you go from there? Yeah. So I came back to Cincinnati to, I, I was there for two years for my fellowship and came back to Cincinnati to actually work as an attending. Mm. And, um, that's where Jamie and I first met. I wanted to, so I'd been doing legs of triathlons and now I wanted to actually do full triathlons. Oh, graduate. Graduate. Yes, yep. exactly. So, um, hadn't been on a bike in, and I'd never been, I don't think I'd ever been on like a proper road racing bike with the wheels that are like, I have never been on one of those either. Yeah. No. Um, at that point, And I had this hamstring injury with, um, running. So, um, I, we started biking I got a bike and started biking and started doing lots of organized rides and Mm-hmm. doing century rides. Do you just, you just go out and bike? You just go out and bike? Yeah, you just go out and bike. And there are tons of cycling groups yeah. around yeah. of varying levels. And um, there's, you know, the bike path. And mm-hmm. it's very easy to um, get in some good distances. So you, a century is 100. A century is 100, yes. Where did you, where do you bike to and for how do you, where do you go? Um, so there are, um, there's some, a, ride called Tosserv, mm-hmm. which is tour of the Scioto, was it Scioto, Scioto River Scioto. Valley? Yeah. And that's a Scioto? bike ride Something like from, um, from Columbus to Portsmouth. You do that in one day, mm. stay overnight and then bike back. So mm. it's a back-to-back centuries. And then there's a really intense group that does a four-day ride. So they actually start in Cincinnati, ride to Columbus ride Columbus to Portsmouth wow. and then do it back. Wow. How long did it take you from when you were first started biking to when you're doing a century ride? Like how long did you have to train until you could do that feat? Um, it was probably... How long did it take for your ass of, to not be sore when you got up? Yeah, well, <laughs> it was probably a couple of years a couple uh, of years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, this is a good reference point because that's the other thing of when we do start something new, there may be a thought of, well, it's, it's been two months. Like, why why yeah. can't I do this yet? <laughs> like, it takes but this a little is, longer. And this is after, though, um, two years of... So this is no longer couch to century, right? Right. Like, you're, exactly. you're in it couch now. couch to century. Yeah. 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 You're, you've, been, you've been working out. And one of my if one of my absolute favorite ways now to do vacations are bike rides. Oh, um, we've biked around Italy, around Austria, around the Czech Republic, um, uh, Sardinia and Corsica. I mean, I've biked ar- 
Scotland, oh. the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah. Uh, I've biked around the world and you and around the states and um I'm not I'm not very good at planning things myself. I much prefer to go with a tour cuz yes. busy life just, for sure. I'm, you know, you guys know that you guys can maintain the equipment outsource and, that shit. Right, like, exactly. I want to exactly. show up and I want to have the experience yep. laid out for me. I will be where I'm supposed to be at what time I'm supposed to be. You just tell me where to go. Yeah, fantastic yes. way. Yes. Alaska, fantastic Alaska. ways to see places. Yeah. I, I think that's an excellent idea. And do you think that all those bike tours that you've been on, do you have to have like the biking experience and, and fitness? Yeah, so they're yeah. intent. They're not like, like I did a, a Napa Valley bike tour and we biked from winery to winery and <laughs> it was great. And I had on like a little romper and some, you know, flat shoes this is not the same no okay no but but there are there are bike tour companies out there and um varying levels of um so definitely varying levels of difficulty and you'll look through their catalogs Mm -hmm. and they'll rank them and then um varying levels of luxury as well which doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that if you go with a high-end company that you can't find a challenging ride, it's just the kind of um, places you're going to stay. Like and hotels. Maybe the hotels. And, right. right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So do you, are you, are you in like full biking? Oh yeah. Garb? Okay. Oh, yeah. This is serious. We are talking serious. Yeah. Like how long are the bike tours when you're in Scotland? Like how long are you biking? Oh yeah. Like we did, you know, 60, 70 miles a day and we're talking hills. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is intense. Yeah. But that sounds really fun. I want to start doing, when we can travel again, vacations that are centered more around like a physical, like a hiking trip or some kind of like wellness yoga retreat type of thing Mm -hmm. where, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm sure during those vacations, right, you have the time where you have good food and you have good drink and whatever, but that it's like part of like the physical piece is like a very pillar piece of it well exactly so you spend all day exercising yes kayaking oh yeah biking hiking out there seeing a place and then you know you feel free you feel good to like sit down eat their eat their food unlimited wine yeah unlimited yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly um so when did you do your first triathlon your first full triathlon did you do one no, so I actually I've never done. You just started to train for one. I just started to train one. So so I've run I've run half marathons. I've biked, um, you know, tours. And you can centuries. do one. What are you but waiting I've for? Never, I have never actually put them all together. And I think part of it is I am not willing to ru- to swim in the Ohio River. Oh no, <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta find another one. Yeah, you gotta go back to when Florida. I go back. Exactly, I gotta go. I've been I've been saying that in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so how long is a, a full triathlon then you're doing, if you're doing all of the, the parts yourself? Do you know? I could probably look it up. Yeah, I think um, if you're looking at a sprint triathlon, this mm. I think you're looking at like an hour to two hours. For, oh, okay. Yeah, probably okay. two hours for okay. the whole thing. Okay. I think you got to do one. Yeah. <laughs> you do, for sure. So then how did you, how did you move into running came as you were kind of starting to get into training yeah, yeah so when I came back here um we started running more and that's actually it was during that that my hamstring oh yeah how'd you get that popped sorted? It, popped again it, pop- what it did, popped what do you mean when you say popped um 
so basically I was sprinting after something and I was in midair and uh, what were you just, sprinting after? I was sprinting after a <laughs> tennis ball. Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. It's like a dangerous a toy, yeah. sport. <laughs> it, I, I believe it. Yeah. So you're sprinting after a ball and it pops. Yeah. Midair. Um, so, so you have three heads of your hamstring uh-huh. and I'm pretty sure that one of them just avulsed and midair fell to the ground. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. And had to, um, re- li- literally I couldn't run more than 30 seconds without my whole muscle cramping up. So had to re, you know, start from square one, um, which was actually a really good thing because it coincidentally at that time, um, someone had come to us at work, a breast cancer surgeon at UC at the time, and a Pilates instructor had come to us saying, hey, I have this specific program that's geared towards women after breast cancer surgery and how to develop, strengthen surrounding muscles and redevelop range of motion and movement. And um, I started talking to her and and I said, hey, listen, I just pulled my hamstring. Can you do similar, same same sort of thing? Yeah. And um, started doing... Pilates and I have to say that it's the most amazing isn't it incredible it is incredible I love it too and I've been away from the reformer for some time just you know after COVID hit and things got shut down and that's a fitness an exercise that's hard to do on your own you know I mean yeah, if you no. don't have a reform like you kind of gotta right. go somewhere yeah um and I, I just recently got back on it um, around the holidays and I was just reminded, I'm like, this feels so good. How do I walk away from this? And I feel open and lengthened and mobile, but yet strong. I'm just like, how? It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And that's one of those things that the individual workouts, and you pretty much, they're different equipment, but a lot of times you're doing really the same routine uh, every time. And, um, you're pushing yourself, but it's not about powering through. It's not mm-hmm. about sweating. It's not about mm-hmm. how fast you do something. Yeah. It's about really focusing on the individual movements. And you go through it and you can think, oh, this is easy or this isn't really a workout. And then you look back six months and realize how much better you're moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I could stand up in the OR all day without getting back pain. Um, and, wow. and just how, and the, just the way that the strength, the core strength that you develop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, and I think that really helped me to get back to be able to run yeah. again. Yeah. How long have you done Pilates now? When did that, when did you start doing that? Um, I've been doing Pilates I had to take a couple of year break just because of work, um, but pretty much 10 years. Oh, yeah. So I started it pretty much when I came back from fellowship, and I do it three days a week. Yeah, right now you do? Yeah. Where do you go now? Or or do you have a... Um, Body Mind Balance. Where is that? It's off of Dana Road. It's by Xavier. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. I used to box over there. Great. Do you, is it, do you do like, um, private 
things. Yeah, privates. so I do yeah. privates. Yeah. Do you go in with a specific goal or do you have something that you're working towards with her? I've never done like, obviously I know what it's like to have a private strength trainer, but um, how does it work with Pilates? Do you like set a goals or you're just like, you're, you're like, work me out on this reformer? What does it look like? Well, when I went in, I specifically, my goal was to help recover an ability to mm-hmm. be athletic because yeah. of my hamstring injury. Right. Um, and I think in general, um, I think in general, a lot of people go in with goals. If it's something as simple as um, improving my range of motion, yeah. uh, a lot of people have injuries mm-hmm. that can go there, but just in general to develop your core strength and to move better. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when did you start, um, moving what is I guess what does your fitness routine look like now or if if it's off because of like a uh kind of busy time or whatever what what does it kind of typically look like so um now um I lift two mornings a week yes we have a common yes common guy there Johnny at Performa House shout out um and I what I do want to get in is just some basic cardio, but I haven't gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. I do Pilates three times a week. Strength training twice, Pilates three. That sounds ideal. Yeah, they're a good balance. They're great. That's what I really need to get. I really need to get back on. And um, I play tennis probably five times a week. So, where do you play tennis? Is this like your like you like love to do it? Oh, uh, it's a love-hate relationship. Where where does the hate come from? Um, I'm not sensing the hate, but I would love to hear so, where it comes from. <laughs> so, um, because it's about that you have a plan in mind and how you see a point playing out, and some sometimes the ball's just not cooperative. Oh, I'm well aware. And sometimes your opponent really right. has isn't cooperative. Totally. Yeah. I don't know about you. But as I started playing pickleball, and again, I haven't been—I hadn't been in a position where I was playing a sport against someone with someone, where uh, I don't—that you can just very clearly see when you fail or like when you make a mistake, and you li- have to live with it in that moment, and it's kind of like at the expense of someone else. And I would just feel this like heat rise in my body I don't know shame or anger or whatever it is where it would like I'm like I haven't felt this in a a little bit and I'm like it's familiar I remember it from playing sports when I was younger and you play you know but as an adult it's not a feeling that comes up a lot for me you're shaking (laughs) do you know what I'm talking about no so I think um so my mom and actually a lot of my tennis um team players would agree my mom's like do you ever do anything for fun I was like oh no (laughs) Um, so so I think tennis for instance for me tennis is a great analogy for life Mm. and um so there are a lot of things that if I can't figure out how why they're not working in my life or where I might be you know sabotaging myself or running into issues I can make an analogy for it on the tennis court. I love, I love this. Can and, you give me an example? Well, so failure. Mm-hmm. Um, every point 
begins with a serve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't get the serve over. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Can't I know. blame it on anyone else. I know. <laughs> it's me, ball, toss. The only time in the game that you can completely dictate how it goes. I know. And um, so... And some people just dink it over and people will be like, oh, well, that's not a real serve. I'm like, you know you what? You got it over the net. You got it right over the <laughs> net between the lines. Yeah. First first two rules, yeah. right? <laughs> Nobody cares. No one's scoring it a 10. Right, right. And stuff. You can't get it over the net. It doesn't matter how fast you're hitting it mm-hmm. into the net. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one that goes over is still better than yours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have the most vivid memory of seventh grade volleyball so similar situation right you had to serve it over to start and um I was like the starting server this was like my shining prime moment in athletics okay and so it's like the last game game point whatever I'm up to serve I miss it and I can just remember like falling to the ground and a throw of dramatics of like I just lost the game <laughs> like I did that but I hadn't felt that kind of feeling in so long until I was out in the court playing pickleball. And I'm like, oh, this feeling again. But it was a nice practice because when I'm in seventh grade, okay, maybe someone understandable as a 12-year-old that you can collapse to the ground like that. I would still argue, get up, you're being a little bitch. But as an adult playing and my friend scores on me or I miss, I can't collapse to the ground or I can't throw, I want to throw a fit and like get mad and I have to just breathe through that and be a good sport, (laughs) be like, good job. (laughs) So it's like a good practice of just, I don't know what that is, emotion control or just like Humility. Humility. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what that is. Yep. It's so not fun. And if anyone's listening to us and you haven't really had that experience lately, the next time you do, whenever that is, you will get it. Where you're just like, <laughs> but it's good practice as humans. Gotta, it is. You got to have the whole wide range of emotions for us so that we don't forget how to act. It's so funny. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your work and the work that you do. And so I know you have, um, what is a program move beyond? What, what do you, would you call that? Yeah. Talk to us about so, that. um, so actually, um, tennis being the analogy for life mm. is a really good segue mm. into it. Um, I have, it's, it's been on hold because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, beforehand, um, I have a program where I partnered with North Carolina Outward Bound, and um, I took some breast cancer survivors out into the Pisgah National Forest, and we did a week of backpacking, rock climbing, rafting. Is this near Asheville? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it does... and it Rock climbing, too. Rock climbing, rappelling, yeah. Oh, do you do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so afraid. So when we go to the gorge, there's some scrambles and some rock climbing things and some rope climbs. And I always go with two. I always go hiking with two men and they love to do those things. And they always want to do the trails. And yes, they do have the most beautiful views. But I am literally terrified. I do it. Okay. I do it. But I do not enjoy it. And I don't like it. And it makes me really scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I feel good after I do it. Yes. But while it's happening, 
I don't enjoy it. <laughs> Do you enjoy it? Um, so it's... I, and this is even repelling. That's even more intense than what I'm doing. Yeah, well, well, because gravity works and we can't fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I like it. Okay. I, I am not the person that's going to go out and do like a free climb of 3000 feet or something open water swimming in the ocean. Yes, I'll do, but that's, that's not my, um, that's not my style, Mm -hmm. but I respect people who do it. Oh, I have so much respect for people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, but what do you like about it? There actually are some really good rock climbing companies down in the gorge. Oh yeah, I know. I know. I, I, (laughs) I really, I don't know. I really don't have a strong desire because it really scares me. But maybe I just need to get over it. I don't know. But like, do you think that there is a point you should do things that scare you, right? Yes. But also maybe you shouldn't do something that scare you this much. <laughs> like, is it worth the stress that you're putting on yourself? <laughs> well, baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Maybe I'm just kind of thrown into these situations when I don't. You pick something to. a little bit easier. Yeah. 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 Okay. But what do you like about it? About rock climbing? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so let me actually just go back to Please. the bigger, the big picture of the program. So the program, so cancer is your body turning against itself. Yes. And we've come a long way with treatment for breast cancer and people are surviving yeah well Mm -hmm. um but treatment's not easy it's a combination of surgery it's a combination potentially of chemotherapy endocrine therapy radiation and so a lot of your body changes both Mm. physical appearance um there's scar tissue there's limitations of movement there's neuropathy change there's weight gain there's um cognitive changes there's and so you come out of it and you're a different person and you're supposed to go back to okay fine you're done with treatment now you're li- it's live in your remission you right you beat it you're good to go yes yeah but you're not the same person anymore and you don't know and again it's like you don't know what you're capable of doing or not doing and um there's not always a safe way of rediscovering that Mm -hmm. so people will be like oh no no take it easy or no you can't do that because you've had surgery or something like that so the first goal was to just allow people to disconnect to just be out in the wilderness without any responsibility to anyone else Mm -hmm. and then the second goal was to allow them to reconnect to themselves Mm -hmm. and the whole trip is based on it's a series of challenges um some of them is about how you personally push yourself and um others are about how do you work in a group and work with the group to solve challenges Mm. so some people are fantastic at going it alone Mm -hmm. you give them something they don't care about failing in fact they don't even think that they're gonna fail yeah um but they can't but they can't work in a group or ask mm. for help or um, or do something that requires um, other people to complete a task. Mm-hmm. And then other people um, are the opposite. They're great in the group, make everyone feel at home. They oh, can yeah. like, take care of, they can organize the group. Yeah. 
but you put them on their own and they're like a, they're afraid of failing mm. and pushing that boundary. So mm-hmm. rock climbing mm. is a fantastic exercise to one get you moving again just to get you using your body. Yeah. And two, to challenge yourself individually because there's no one else there yes. that can do it. <laughs> right. And um, and lots of people have fears about it, the mm-hmm. fear of heights and and everything. And so it's a it's a great um, it's a great exercise to get yourself to push yourself beyond yeah. what you believe you can do. Right. And then that probably puts them in the frame of mind. Okay, I did this thing. What else am I capable of doing? Exactly. Yeah. And there's it's a very there's a very tangible reward. You can see what you've accomplished. Yes. 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 And um, and it's a, creating a safe space to explore it. So people aren't saying no, no, don't do it. It's not safe. What we're doing is we're saying we are going to create a safe environment for you to do this. Please push yourself. Mm-hmm. Explore what you're able to do. Yeah. So how did this, how did the, the idea or birth of this program come about? Uh, so I've always believed in experiential learning. When yeah. I was younger, I went on some outward bound yeah. trips as part of this outdoor exploration. And I've always kept it in the back of my head yeah. that I wanted to somehow bring the two together. Yeah. Um, there's another group called First Descents that has been doing this for probably now 15 years and they work with young people who've had cancer mm. and they get them into the outdoors and they have evidence that it helps with body image and depression. Um, and it's been very successful. Um, then an outward bound itself has worked with grieving teens and veterans mm. with PTSD. And I think cancer survivorship is very similar to PTSD. Yeah. No, I read, I read that. I think you had like a blog post for Jamie and for I, Jamie, I read yeah. that and it made so much like you, I mean, we even refer to it as like surviving something like it is a battle. Like exactly. Went, it is. Yeah. Like you are going through something so difficult and then to come out on the other side, and it's like, yeah, you're of course you're going to have some lingering mental, physical scars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Outward Bound was actually created um, by Kurt Hahn um, after World War II because he noticed that um, the challenges created a resilience mm-hmm. in people. And so he was seeking how you could create that same um, fortitude of character yes. without having to be in war. Actually, yeah, put yourself into war. Yeah. That's so, I love to hear this because I absolutely believe and have experienced being in nature and just being outside and kind of going through these physical challenges, hiking every week, right? I, I feel so amazing on a Sunday night after spending the whole day outside. And if I, so I did not go this past weekend, I had some commitments, but I had gone the three weekends prior. And so I missed this last weekend. And this week, I'm just like, I got to get out there again. Like, I'm like craving just being outside. And of course, I can go outside and I can walk. I'm in the city, whatever. But it's different. Do they yeah. do they have any idea what what it is? I mean, except for the fact that humans, I think, just belong outside. <laughs> like... <laughs> At the core, right, of our of our being. But is there anything else or like research or anything? Oh, I don't know that. I'm no. sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so many easy ways. Even 
you know, like kayaking on the little Miami, you, it's so accessible and Mm -hmm. you get on it, especially if it's not a weekend, um, you get on it and you could be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's just so peaceful and quiet and you're just away. Yeah. So are, since I know, I know it's on hold for, um, because of COVID right now, but like how many kind of expeditions or outings have you done with this? So we did, we did it for two years and we did, um, we had about, um, six or eight participants each time. It's a limited group. Um, and then we ran, started running into COVID and stuff. And so I'm not sure if it's going to go again this year because we're still yeah. working through the details, you know, how COVID's going to mm-hmm. work. But um, as soon as those that's lifted, we're going to start doing it again. Itching to get back on again. Yeah. And the beauty of it is also the um, Outward Bound instructors, they take a lot away from it as yeah. well. Um, they've, you know, outward bound, most of the instructors, the instructors that we've worked with have been young women mm-hmm. and they, they learn a lot from just the women that come on the trip oh, and sure. it's not, I mean, the women have been, um, thirties, forties, fifties, um, sixties. And the most common thing I hear from people is, wow, that's a fabulous idea. I could never do it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Do they think they can't do it because of the physical challenge? Yeah, because yeah. of the physical challenge, and which is exactly what it's designed right. to help people break through. Right, right. Are they, what stages are people, like in their cancer journey, are they going on, on this yeah, trip? Yeah, um, you have to have completed treatment excluding endocrine therapy. Mm. So um, haven't worked with people with metastatic disease or, you know, active disease. Um, and it's not... As long as you're out of your treatment and your doctor says, hey, you're, you're, it's safe for you to do that. Mm-hmm. I think the um, – so Jamie at the time was like 16 years out. Mm. And um, the person who was closest to her treatment I think was like a year and a half. Okay. Got it. And is it specifically breast cancer or all cancer? Um, breast cancer. Breast cancer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I would like it at some point to be yeah. all because I think – everyone goes through very similar. Right, right. Um, but there is something I think maybe a little unique about breast cancer for women because there is such an identity wrapped mm-hmm. up in the female body. And yeah, I agree. And for that to be distorted or, you know, compromised in some way, I'm sure has some deep psychological effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. One of the amazing things about my job is that I get to see, and I'm sure in yours, um, people from all walks of life. Yeah. And I get to see like all different kinds of relationships and stuff and how supportive yeah. um, some people are. And on the other hand, just how alone some people can be. And just the um, yeah. the variations of how the surgery can affect Mm. different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure that you, you have to attest to the people that come in with this huge, with big, strong support systems and this positive attitude versus people that don't really have that, like the difference in healing. Yeah. And definitely. And we try and create that, um, 
try and create that support system. Yeah. And I, if they and don't have something external. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isn't that, don't you just find that incredible as, as someone that, like you said, cut people for a living, right? <laughs> cut you're, people you're, for wor- a living. <laughs> you're working in like literal flesh and blood. You're like this works in this way, the body, like we can see what's going on, but something like you heal faster with the love and support of like that. Doesn't that just blow your mind of like, we can't really, is there a way to track, you know, I don't know, see that show up somewhere. Yeah. You know, um, I think that there's potential to see that because even simple things like, um, and I'm not like when people have chronic diseases and palliative care is involved early, Mm -hmm. they actually have longer survivals. Mm. And I think that that attests to um, the, uh, the value of treating the whole being Mm. and, um, and comfort care and things like that. So I think that the fact that we can show a difference with that, that there's the potential to show a difference with support systems. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great too, is, I think, you know, coming from the surgery side where it is you're operating, what'd you, what'd you say? Deconstructing? I'm what, the deconstructor. The deconstructor. Yes. yes. All of that. Um, where it is so tactical to then be involved in something that feels so emotional mm-hmm. and mental that it really is like this whole, this whole self wellness piece that is going to get you, you know, maybe not back to the person you were before, but that you can be a new person who's fully capable of thriving on the other side of it. And I have to give the American College of Surgeons credit. Their Commission on Cancer, which um, evaluates all of the cancer programs, has really put a emphasis on um, like nurse navigators, survivorship, mm-hmm. and things that are going to round out the program and address the patient um, that don't necessarily bring in income. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, pro- because they put that as a priority and um, a lot of programs are embracing that. And so there's a lot more support systems and resources available within each program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So Kelly, what does being fit mean to you? Um, so being fit um, to me means being in touch with my own power and ability to influence the world. Mm. Oh my gosh, I love that. Oh, ability to be in touch with your own power to influence the world. I want to write that down. I really like that. That's great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank I appreciate it me. so much. Listeners, um, follow along at What The Fit Podcast, at Chrissy Grody. Share to your socials. Spread the love of What The Fit. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.